is your primary way to play mm -hmm. via the cloud streaming, right? Whereas Xbox is saying, we're giving you this as a supplement. It is just an option for you to do. If you want to buy our console, you can buy your console. Yeah. If you want to build a PC, you can build a PC. This is just supplemental way to play gaming. So your primary way to play won't necessarily change in the short term. Right. But if I'm on a train and I'm going somewhere and I just quick want to hop on gears and check out something really quick, that option is available to me. Welcome everybody to the Casually Hardcore Podcast. My name is Brian. This is episode 40 and today I'm happy to hopefully introduce you to a fantastic creator, been a part of the Gamertag Radio Podcast for a while now. You didn't start it back in uh, back in 2005, but a good member of the team. Destiny advocate, player, all around just awesome guy. Paris, welcome to the program. Uh, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the state of gaming in 2019 and beyond. And so I really asked you on uh, the podcast because you have a lot of really interesting perspective. Uh, you're going out to TwitchCon, uh, you know, this week. You're going to be out there on a panel. And also, uh, you just crossed over 3,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Uh, hopefully that's a decent introduction. But if I missed anything, Paris, will you will you introduce yourself uh, to the workforce and tell, uh, and tell people where they can find you? No, uh, thank you for that intro. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I think you went well above and beyond. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm Paris, um, co-host on game podcast called Gamertag Radio, uh, which has been around since 2005. Um, I joined them in 2013. Um, we're also on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Gamertag Radio. We actually stream the podcast live when we record every Sunday and Wednesday. Um, and yeah, on, on a personal side, yeah, I, I started my own YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, it's hey, baby steps, right? So I, I hit hit i don't remember about 3500 subscribers something like that yeah. right now but it, it's mainly just a, a place for me to kind of stretch my legs uh, creative wise as far as doing video content you know i come on there i, I talk about cyberpunk i talk about destiny i talk about the division two just things that interest me on a personal level uh, so it's been a lot of fun but i'm excited to be on here and uh talk about gaming and like i said i'm, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll wind up getting into uh destiny because uh i love playing some destiny Oh, me too, man. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, this is going to be a conversational podcast, as typically they are. They're also a creator-focused podcast, which you can find on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. We'll also include links to every everywhere you can find Paris and Gamertagger Radio to go and give your support for these guys who are making just fantastic content with that's around a lot of uh, different conversations. Now, being that it is a conversation, uh, we've got an outline. That does not mean we're going to follow it because there it could go in any number of directions. So we hope that you enjoy the show. If you do, please give us a like. Also hit that uh, subscribe button and or give us a review over on iTunes as well. We do want to do a little business first. We want to thank our partnership with Exit Lag and Shadow PC. We've got links in the description if you guys are interested in supporting the channel, checking out those services. Uh, hit the links below that some conversation might come up about them because we will be talking about the future of gaming and cloud gaming is something that uh, outside of the U.S. is an interesting thing. Inside the U.S., I think a lot of gamers are skeptical, but we'll probably dive into that. Uh, first question, real kind of general topic, though. Paris, what are you playing? Shadowkeep drops next week. <laughs> 
You know, it's funny. I've I've actually been playing a lot of Destiny Two um, past few weeks. Farming the mats um, and stuff. Like, are you prepping? Like, are you? Are well, you... I I was chasing uh, seals. I was chasing titles. So oh, like, okay. I actually just got dredging uh, the other day. Dude, congrats! Um, where I I looked and I was way behind, and I wound up doing two infamy resets in season seven within like a couple week period, and just chased everything that I needed and got it, and uh, chasing curse breaker things like that. So I've been playing a lot of that. Um, I'm, I'm a huge Witcher fan. Okay. Like, I, I love The Witcher 3. I think it's one of, it, it is, in my opinion, the best game that's come out this, this generation. So I always like to go back in and try different scenarios with that. So I kind of just play that leisurely as well. Uh, a lot of Gwent, things like that. Got a so question. That, I got to jump in sure. on that, though. So, like, I, I have Witcher 3. Uh, I'm a dad. Uh, I got young kids, though. Like, and yes. I, I was like, all right, I'll check out this Witcher 3 thing. And then it's like, and this is now a game that is played when the kids are in bed. And so like, how, like, I don't know how old your kids are, but like, how's that balance with it, with a game like Witcher? Uh, <laughs> because it opens up pretty strong. Yeah. I, when it comes to my kids and I, I think that's a topic we'll get into more in depth later, but when it comes to my kids, games like that, yeah, I, I don't let them play it. I don't play it, play it around them. Um, I'm lucky enough to have an office where I can close the door when I, I play that's, games like that. That's the key to I, any, I to any adult gamer. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> but, uh, but the other games I've been playing, I've been playing a lot of gears five because uh, you know, that, that just came out, did that for review as well. Control, which is something I kind of slacked on, which um, I've been jumping into more recently, which is fantastic. And um, Borderlands three, which Ooh. I fully admit is just not for me. I, I've never been big into the Borderlands games and that's okay. Yeah. I understand following with that i understand how much people love it and this isn't a slight on what borderlands 3 is it's a good game it's just not something that i'm going to invest a ton of time i got a question for you though because essentially like borderlands 2 is a game that i sunk probably two or three years of total game time and i really enjoyed that played it with my friends but we also ran into a similar wall when borderlands 3 was coming out with like you mentioned gears 5 like pretty much you and I sound like we're playing the same games minus control. Like Gears 5 came out. I've been a huge Gears fan my whole life. And Gear, I haven't been able to quit Gears 5 yet. Like it's, I haven't even done the campaign. I'm talking about, I've just been an escape horde and verses. And for whatever reason, it just feels great. Beyond me though, Borderlands 3, I looked at it. I was like, man, like that's a game that I'm looking forward to playing. But I just don't have time between destiny with gears like i was like it just kind of falls in this weird time where like i would only be able to play it for like a week maybe less and i and as a dad and all the game life balance and with work i was like you know what maybe i'll just wait i'll wait to get it later this this year and then I, the question to you is that when i looked at it i go there's no incentive for me to play on day one which works for me as a as a human being but right. when i look at destiny with season on the end dying when i look at gears it has seasonal based content when i look at like all of these games going into it and i'm not saying that i want all games to go seasonal i'm just saying that there is a hook there that i didn't necessarily feel i had to be day and date which works for me it's a complex idea it's a complex feeling because i was like all right if i don't have to be there on day one i can check it out on stadia later i can check it out maybe uh next year and i'm still gonna have a great experience and probably even a better one considering how some of the you know some of the bugs but that's like i don't fault any company for bugs if especially if they get them fixed what are your thoughts like on that like that hook yeah i i definitely think there's a fomo factor with certain games that push you to want to be there day one because you don't want to miss out on something right there mm -hmm. there's that just that that communal 
feeling of saying i was there day one we're participating in all this together but look, then there's look other at this games. skin look at this title you know right, yeah right well there's other games where you don't you don't necessarily need to have that and at my age and my responsibilities and, and my time time factor to be able to play certain games like i'm i'm extremely picky when it comes to what i play and what i invest my time into so it's kind of like you're saying if there's a game where i don't have to be there day one to play it i'm not going to be there day one unless it's just something that i'm reviewing or whatever the case like control is is a great example of mm -hmm. that where control is something that i didn't have to review i knew it was a game i wanted to play but since it was just a single player experience i didn't have to be there day one i because like i was at gamescom i was transitioning from that mm -hmm. i had a work commitment so it was like i'll put that on a back burner i'll get to it when i get to it and that's fine so we're we're in a state now where we have these games as a service mm -hmm. and i feel like they they absolutely compete for your time mm -hmm. and again going back to the borderlands 3 thing it that is something that is a game as game as a service i guess you want to call it that i don't have that fomo factor with it i don't feel like if i'm not playing it day one if i'm not playing it for an extended amount of time i don't feel like i'm missing anything you know what I mean? Whereas Destiny, absolutely, I feel like I'm missing something. Right. Does that do a disservice, though, right, to to what Borderlands started, right? I, I'm just curious. Yeah. Do you think it does a disservice? No repeat, that la no, repeat that last part again. I'm sorry. With that, without that hook, without that, uh, essentially that, that drive to be day and date on the one, is that, I look at it from a market perspective, right? If that, that we we skip it or more, more people choose to wait, they wait for steam and then other games come out and then and they start to compete. Right. Is there, a, isn't it like, I look at their, uh, I, I don't know if it's good or bad and I'm not sitting here saying it's, it's bad by any means. I just, it is a concern that the market has essentially decided that that's not necessarily what gamers want in mass, not in individual, like in uh, generalization. You understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I, I'd actually bring in the Division Two as yeah. an example of this, where the Division Two was something which, which I'm a huge fan of, and I, I still play it. But it had, in my opinion, the best launch of any of these kind of games. Right? Mm -hmm. I thought it was fantastic. It was very engaging. You know, I couldn't wait to get home every day to play it. But then it hit a wall where, all right, I've done everything. Now what? The mm -hmm. loot is appealing. What? What am I doing? I've, I've done the raid. I've done everything. Now what? Mm -hmm. they're and they're suffering through this right now where they're trying to fix it and get it back to a point where it's going to re-engage people and like i said for me with borderlands playing it, it it's not engaging me on a loot thing i don't feel like there's that carrot on the end of the stick that's pushing me to want to keep logging in every day to play it i feel like mm, okay i get it I'm, I'm done i'm good okay and that's here in 2019 going into 2020 with these next gen of games that's where we are with Fortnite has obviously been a, a huge influence on this. Yeah. What's the carrot on the end of the stick that's going to make me after that initial engagement to want to keep coming back? I'm sure you can put in new content, things like that, but is it compelling content that excites me that again, the FOMO factor? Am I do I feel like I'm missing out if I don't engage with this content on day one? What about the streaming factor, though? The the one there's that's one, obviously huge too. Yeah. yeah. So like that's where I'm wondering to see if there's ends up being a massive drop off. I hope there's not. Like I I'm always rooting for devs. I've actually uh, I've had friends that actually made Borderlands too. Like they they're no longer with Gearbox, but they have such a huge passion for that. They're such really interesting guys. It's funny because they could never play the release version because they bugged and beta tested so much of the game that they're like, yeah, it's like I, I've spent you know a million hours with it. Like. <laughs> Pixel it bit by pixel, but 
Uh, is there any other games that you're playing? Because I feel honestly that once Destiny Two Shadowkeep drops, like that there's going to be the that that pile that's just kind of waiting for you. So are you playing any other games right now before next week, or is there anything else that you're looking forward to release this year? Um, Ghost Recon, uh, which which I know that I think that beta is happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. Ghost Recon, is something that I'll be checking out. I'm actually going to be reviewing it. Um, I'm very intrigued by Modern Warfare. Um, I really have enjoyed what I've played on the multiplayer aspect of it and that campaign that's coming with it looks like a breath of fresh air to kind of get Call of Duty back to its quote unquote roots. So I'm really looking forward to that. A game that I was highly skeptical of and when I first saw it, I kind of wasn't excited about it, but then I went back and watched the full 26 minute demo on it from from EA Play, I guess you should say, Mm -hmm. uh, is Jedi Fallen Order. Um, that's something I'm really looking forward to in November, but I also bring up the fact of it being a complete single player experience. It's not something I have to get day one because it's just single player. I can, I can play it whenever I want, but it's definitely something that's on my radar that I want to check out. There's a, there's a kind of interesting phenomenon that happens within gaming culture though, is a part of it, like where you have these persistent long games that people play for years and years and years uh you know destiny is being one of those uh, but then you you kind of have these asides like god of war you have these single player experiences that people seem to clamor for but they are they are kind of like a moment in history where sometimes the game like gamers take a take a breath from the multiplayer to go have this single player experience and enjoy mm-hmm. it if the game is good so yeah. if uh, if fallen order is really good you're going to see a huge amount of people like just you know jump on it. You're going to see everybody you know exclaim that single player games are back, and then uh, a month later, no one's you know no one's talking <laughs> no one's talking about it anymore, and they've moved on to whatever kind of the new hotness is. It's it's such an interesting thing that like I at least from what I feel like is uh, when I when I as a gamer a long time it's like it's interesting to see how the industry's been shaped by streaming by the fact of streaming culture. Uh, where are our eyes, you know, watching and where things are. And so that's why we've also seen more investment both into multiplayer games and into microtransactions themselves. Now, you brought up an interesting game because just this morning kind of news is breaking and I saw you tweet about it. Uh, the timed exclusive mode for Call of Duty, not just a timed exclusive because this is where it gets murky. I really want to get your, your opinion here. But Call of Duty is an annualized franchise. It seems like it's almost literally a, an exclusive for a year, which we saw that happen for PlayStation Destiny players every year. There's always like kind of a year worth of exclusive content on the PlayStation. What what do you think about the Call of Duty move here? I mean, bravo to PlayStation for, you know, spending the money, but... I, the, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and just to bring perspective in it, I never liked it for Destiny yeah. either when, when they were doing it on that, which, by the way, is what got me to go to PlayStation back in 2014 to play it because I'm like, well, there's extra content there. That's where I'm going to play it. So I understand why publishers do this. They invest the money. Obviously, Borderlands we see with exclusivity deal on Epic Store, things like that. But as a gamer, I don't like that, especially with Call of Duty, you're taking a mode and you're making it exclusive to one platform for a year where we know that Call of Duty is an annual franchise, especially going in the next year where we're going to get a next gen Call of Duty Mm -hmm. uh, in in 2020. So everyone's going to move on from Modern Warfare in a year. So you're going to have people on Xbox and PC that, to be quite honest, are probably never going to really experience this mode because by the time they get access to it, they're not going to be playing Modern Warfare anymore unless they do something radical that breaks the cycle of what we've seen the past year, past 10 years with Call of Duty. So I don't like it in that aspect. 
you're you're segmenting the audience. I understand PlayStation has obviously thrown a lot of money at Activision to make this happen. I get it. I get why it happens from a business perspective. But as a gamer, no, nah, this is terrible. I mean, I would rather look if it was like a couple months, three months. Okay, fine, yeah. whatever. What would but, be the right mm-hmm. amount of time? Because obviously, they're, they're that's a that's a commodity, right? They're like PlayStation is buying a commodity from Activision. What's the right amount of time? Because because you're right. In a if the game was a five year game or a ten year game like Destiny, like okay, it sucks, hundred percent. A year sucks, but. In a year, everybody is still able to play, right? And the yeah. other thing that makes this a weird factor, uh, kind of just as an aside, is Modern Warfare's crossplay. You know, yeah. so it's like yeah. PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and then they have PlayStation has this little like hey, this little thing. Um, so like, what's the right amount of time? What would be the right amount of time or the appropriate amount of time for this? Okay, because this is unfortunately a necessary evil in the business. I get it. I would say max three months, mm-hmm. ninety days. 90 days from launch, you have this exclusive mode. All right, done. In my opinion, realistically, I would want nothing. <laughs> I mean, just, hey, the game is the game and you play it wherever you want, especially when we look at the fact that if you think about it, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is the first AAA title to do crossplay mm-hmm. in the modern era. And, and to be quite honest, it is the biggest game that potentially could be doing crossplay because... Call of Duty every year, if it's not the highest selling, it's the second highest selling game of that year. Millions and millions of people are going to be playing this game this holiday, right? And the fact that they're doing crossplay, where they're telling you, look, we don't care what platform you pick it on, you all get to play together is amazing. I'm going to play it on PC personally, so I'm not going to play it on PlayStation 4, so I'm going to lose out on that mode, but I will get to play with my Xbox buddies, I'll get to play with my PlayStation buddies, that's great. But now you're taking a mode potentially and look, they're saying, oh, it's only 1% of the game, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But what if this mode takes off? What if it's like the best thing that happens in Call of Duty? Doubtful, but let's just say it does for argument's sake. Yeah. You've now only limited it to the PlayStation audience for what is essentially the true life of the game, a one-year period, because once we get to October, November 2020, we're going to be talking about playing Call of Duty, whatever, on PlayStation 5 and Scarlet. NPC, so yeah. it, it's unfortunate. So it's it's an interesting, just I guess consequence of crossplay though, because before what they would sell you is early access to the maps or early access to this. Xbox is completely guilty of this. PlayStation's doing it now. Honestly, I think the 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 connecting factor here and how it all somewhat ties into Destiny is Activision. Uh, Activision is the one who's bundling this and who's selling this as a, as a commodity because they're the ones who are cashing the check by Sony. But what do you sell when you have crossplay? Because if like somebody has access to a map, you're dividing out that community. And so I think it was like, well, we can't do that now. If we're going to be, if we're going to really kind of embrace crossplay, what can we, what can we sell? It is weird that it's its own mode. It's weird that it's it's like its own little thing out there. And so, yeah, like if it ends up being hugely successful, we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't know. We'll have to... Call of Duty is in this weird spot. Like I was... Uh, it, <laughs> it seems to... Like I'm wondering if the campaign is going to help kind of reignite its steam. I think it's going to sell incredibly well. It will uh, do what it does. It's a <laughs> it's why it's annualized by Activision because it prints money for them. And so until that it changes, we won't see that. So you are obviously talking about PC gaming and uh, one of the things that we've seen this this year, like when Microsoft announced it, that's all of a sudden when my head turned because I hadn't ever considered cloud gaming 
uh, a thing. Uh, and, but then obviously with uh, X, Xbox, with its cross, uh, you know, kind of pushing for cross play, but even with Play Anywhere and all of that, they're diluting any need to own an Xbox. And if anybody's played Destiny 2 on PC, they'll know that the PC is the premier experience for that game and then when you go back and play it on like an xbox you're like man the loading screens are awful man this is like i wish i was playing on a pc but cloud gaming is uh, essentially something that is just about to just i think really disrupt emerging markets as opposed to anything in the the united states you tweeted it out like you're saying like i'm not gonna like with gears like microsoft's like no reason to have a have a console like what's your perspective on that because I'll share mine in a second. What What's your take on PC gaming and then when you look at the, I guess, the old-fashioned console wars? So yeah, I've been talking about this um, for, for the past few months. If you look, and actually, let me, let me take the story all the way back here. So, sure. <clears throat> excuse me. In uh, 2016, I went to San Francisco. Xbox had a, what's called the Spring Showcase. They don't do it anymore. But back then, they were still doing the Spring Showcase. I went to the one that was in 2016 in San Francisco. And Phil Spencer kicked off the showcase with the keynote. And this was around the time Quantum Break was coming out, things like that. And he laid out basically his vision for the future of at the time they were doing, what was it? The It doesn't matter. But basically mm-hmm. he was kind of talking about Windows gaming, Windows 10, all that, and kind of just this unified system. And, you know, it was the groundwork. And then at E3 that year, that's when they announced Xbox Play Anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that was like, hey, any first party Xbox game, you can play it on Windows, et cetera. So I, I say that to bring us to where we are right now here in 2019. We're at this point where it is becoming common common nature to have all the, the Xbox games to be playable on Windows. We have Xbox Game Pass and now Game Pass Ultimate, mm-hmm. where basically what Microsoft has done is they've taken Xbox and they're like, look, we'll still make a console. We'll give you a kick kick butt console. Don't don't worry about that. If that's what you want to do for the convenience factor, knock yourself out. Yeah. But if you want to invest the money and build a high end gaming PC, we got you there too. All our games will be there as well. And guess what? We're gonna give you the subscription service where all our games are a part of that. Just we've gone from being, you know, a platform to a service. Right now, you throw in what they're trying to do with Project X Club, and I love the the fact that you you brought up like and we're talking offline like India markets like that. Yeah where, hey, maybe they don't necessarily, you know, it's not going to be commonplace to have a high-end gaming PC in the house to have, you know, a console, whatever, but or they phone. to jump they in, got, well, not just your yeah. phone, but or to have the nostalgia that's going to drive you to go and understand why you should purchase that, that system, right? Like I'm buying consoles today because I bought consoles previously. I'm ingrained. I like, I understand the cycle. I have a nostalgia for the new console experience, and the new start of a new generation, right? Where a, a country like India, like you have your phone, you, a lot of mo- mobility with, also what's really cool about them is when you look at the United States versus India, they have obviously a more condensed population, but a geographically smaller area means they can have better and higher quality internet as a standard as these companies are investing billions and, they, and, they, and they're investing billions of dollars into this so that they can kind of try to capture that market. I cut you off, but go ahead. No, no, no. And I was just going to bring up the, the fact that I was like, hey, you have your phone. Like if you're mm-hmm. in just again, use India as an example, they're eventually going to get the infrastructure for 5G. 5G is the future of where, where cell and all that goes. So it's not even about <clears throat> what Internet I have at home. It's Internet that's going to be on my phone. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, you're Microsoft good. doesn't want me talking about this. Um, <laughs> so their plan, and, and Phil Spencer even mentioned this, that they aren't, they're targeting billions, not millions. They're trying to get that casual audience that isn't necessarily playing on the console today or playing on the PC today. They're trying to get that casual market that the platform that they will always have with them is their phone. Yeah. That's what Project X Cloud is. That's what Stadia is attempting to become. EA is also trying to jump into this as well. Yeah, EA Cloud. was a it was a curveball when they said that. I was like, wait, like what? And that's one of the things Microsoft said is like, yeah, we're probably never going to buy EA because they're doing they're trying to do a lot of the same things we're doing. It would just be kind of like buying up, you know, wasted <laughs> wasted investment. But go ahead. Right, right, and then you know, obviously, you know, uh, PlayStation now as well. They're doing the cloud gaming, so. I've been a big skeptic of the cloud gaming stuff. Like, ah, it's not going to work because I was, you know, I had did on live back in the day, things like that. But I have to say, um, when I was at Gamescom this year, I did Project X Cloud. It freaking worked. It worked. It was buttery smooth. Worked just fine. I also did Stadia, which I still don't understand a hundred percent what Stadia is trying to target because mm-hmm. they're still asking you to buy retail games at retail price and not right. w- without a subscription but that that's another discussion but stadia works it does it 100 yeah. it, it works it, it worked great so it I, is- I i can say like we use like one of the sponsors for the channel is a shadow pc it's cloud gaming pc and that's mm-hmm. what all of a sudden the, the 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 glass shattered and i was i've been playing gears 5 final fantasy 14 destiny 2 i've been playing all these games in the cloud none of them are installed like all my pc games are no longer running in the office they're running in the data center and it's buttery smooth and i am doing pvp and i'm dominating i'm doing like it's like i am not having a bad experience with with the cloud and obviously i'm in texas i have solid awesome internet that the united states is not the is not the market that they're shooting for it's going to be a market 2040 2035 some you know like when you take in 10 15 20 years that's a different conversation but Anyway, <laughs> it's just mind blowing. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to add on to that and say my my only thing here in the short term is just kind of going back to the Stadia argument. I'm more in favor of what Xbox is doing versus what Google is doing in the sense that Google is saying Stadia is your primary way to play mm-hmm. via the cloud streaming, right? Whereas Xbox is saying, we're giving you this as a supplement. It is just an option for you to do. If you want to buy our console, you can buy your console. Yeah. If you want to build a PC, you can build a PC. This is just supplemental way to play gaming. So your primary way to play won't necessarily change in the short term. Right. But if I'm on a train and I'm going somewhere and I just quick want to hop on gears and check out something really quick, that option is available to me. Not to mention, they're giving you a subscription service where, you know, we're giving you all our games. You just give us 10 or 15 bucks a month versus Stadia. What they're doing is they're asking me to invest my money into their system with no promise that I'm going to 100% own those games if that service goes away. Where at least with Xbox, hey, I can download it on my hard drive and I can have it forever potentially where that option's not going to be there. So that's where I'm still skeptical of it in the short term but i do think in the long term 10 15 years from now it is going to be very commonplace to just stream your games online ownership is a a real key factor privacy security there's a lot of things especially then i think anybody who's skeptical of cloud gaming especially in like north america totally reasonable things to be concerned about because as consumers we need to voice our opinion one of the things 
that I think is uh, kind of an example of how that's kind of played out is in Blu-ray sales versus kind of digital. If you go yep. buy a Blu-ray disc now, you get the physical disc, you get a digital copy. They even throw in the DVD. You know, <laughs> it's like, here, like, please buy our product. And that's where it'll be interesting to see how Stadia's reception impacts the model. Because if they, if you buy a game in Stadia and you can also then install it locally, I think that helps uh, kind of ease that out. But um, the, <laughs> I, I have a friend who works for Apple and he, and he told me, he's like, yeah, Stadia is going to be fine as long as Google doesn't get bored. But, and, and, that, and that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. Whereas at least with Xbox, they're not saying this is the only way you can play our games now. And right. if Azure were to go away tomorrow, you're screwed. And that's my worry with Stadia. So I want to I want to kind of shift focus here uh, on talking about building healthy gaming communities. You posted just I think a beautiful just from the heart uh, topic. And what what this kind of relates to, though, is that you and I are both parents and uh, my, my kids aren't online. You know, they're, they're still too little. But this is something that I see as an adult. Like, how can we um, both as uh, like parents, but also in the online space, you with your podcast and your YouTube channel, me with my podcast and YouTube channel. How can we as just the like uh, individuals continue to try to reaffirm a, a positive and healthy way of thought? Obviously, I think uh, how that video came to be was from like an unfortunate uh, overstep. I don't know how to best qualify it. I think I'm probably doing a poor job, but you're going to be talking about a panel on building these uh, building healthy communities over at uh, TwitchCon this weekend. Um, what, what are your thoughts as, as a dad and as a, as a gamer? Like what, you know, and obviously as a minority, as a, as an African-American and a gamer in this country. Yeah. Um, I mean, thank you for bringing this topic up. So to just try and cliff note what, what I said. So yeah. full context, uh, EA has an initiative they're doing called Building Healthy Communities. And they invited me to be a part of their player council. And we had our first meeting over in Gamescom in Germany. And it was basically getting us telling our stories our experiences online in, in these communities and what can what suggestions and what things can we do to try and quote unquote build a, a, a better healthy community, right? So my whole point on this has been accountability. There's zero accountability online right now. Right. You know, people can say and do basically whatever the hell they want and there's no repercussions to it. So until we see more accountability online and we see st stiffer penalties for quote unquote breaking these rules, you're going to continue to see this. And like you said, I am a minority. I have seen and heard it all. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, it, it's a real thing that should not just be shrugged off as, oh, well, toughen up. That's just how it is online. No, people should not have to toughen up to be online. Again, I do not let my children play online unless I'm there with them and supervising who they're interacting with and who they're dealing with. And that's the shame of this. What needs to happen and what part of this, this whole council is, is building better in-game tools for reporting. You know, like I said, having stiffer penalties, you know, clearly explaining out the rules of being on a service because again, gaming, being online is not a right, it's a privilege. So if you're going to break the rules of whatever these providers are, are, are doing, you need to be kicked off, period, point blank. That's just bottom line what it has to come down to. So that's kind of what I was talking about in my video. That's what we're talking about in Germany. And that's what I'm going to be talking about again here at Twitch. And, you know, I brought up the fact that 
the reality of it is if you're a person of color, if you're a woman or you're a gay person, you are constantly harassed online, constantly. You know, the second that someone realizes I'm an African-American online, I hear every racist word there is. The second a woman opens her mouth online, she is harassed. That has to stop, period. We've uh, we've had uh, conversations like with uh, Yoshi P. We're big. I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. Final Fantasy 14 is just a game that I, I've been playing for years and love. But one of the things that the community has asked for is voice, like with built-in game. And we've got Discord. Like there's a lot of services for games out there now. But Yoshi P. has stated no because he said he wants to give people who did not make them feel like they have to be forced to communicate namely like you know with with any female or whatever because there is this weird shift that happens like oh are you oh my gosh it's a girl like girls can play games you know everybody can play games i'd like what phil spencer said as talking about is his initiative of the inclusivity of games games unite us all in this just beautiful way i think it's like when you take out everything all the things all the stupid things that separate us that we separate ourselves by um Games are something that it's like, our, I mean, they they can really bridge gaps and allow people to form relationships uh, and more. You know, I was like, I don't want to sit here and, you know, pretend like I have any kind of dog in the fight, right? Because it's like, I, if anything else, like I'm a white, you know, male you know, from born in America. Like, you know, like there has been no, I, I have rarely felt any kind of prejudice online or off, but I have seen it. My best friend would, you know, he, he would get, he'd get stopped. He'd get stopped because he's, he's a six, five tall black guy, just, just like salted the earth. But whenever we were hanging out, like I, I, as a kid, I never really recognized it. But as a teenager, all of a sudden it's like, wait, there's something on happening here. My brother-in-law actually is, is African-American and he gets pulled over, you know, 70, 80 times a month. Like, it's just like just driving the speed limit. But it's, and so there was just this real, sad reality about our humanity and the goal at least from my perspective is uh to try to always make people feel welcomed and also (laughs) try to correct that but that's just my perspective you look like you got a thought sorry yeah and i I just want to say everything that you're saying see unfortunately that's the reality of of our world unfortunately like just to give perspective my my wife is white i have biracial children I mean, I live, thankfully, in a neighborhood where that is very commonplace. Everyone gets alone. There, there's there's no real issue in, in my day-to-day as far as my children have to worry about being harassed or whatever. But the point of going online or we go to a different neighborhood or wherever, then that starts to become a rally. Then that's when, you know, I'm driving down the street. I can get pulled over by the cops, things like that. I'm not trying to steer the conversation too much into no, that. Other than just say that. I want to use Destiny as an example. Mm-hmm. So I love, you know why I love that play, playing Destiny so much? Because in my personal opinion, it is one of the best communities in game. It just is the way it's structured, the way people want to help each other out and we do things together. But a sad reality of even that community is none of us go into public voice chat. You either, if you're playing on PC, we're, we're jumping into Discord. If mm-hmm. I'm on Xbox or PlayStation, I'm jumping to a party chat to communicate with people because even in a community that good and that I love so much, it is so toxic in the public space because, again, there's zero accountability when you go there. You will hear some of the just the most horrible things are, are said. And you report someone 
And the reality of it is nothing happens, or at least the perspective is nothing happens. And, and if someone gets booted off or whatever, they go grab their burner account and they're right back to harassing people again. This is the point that I, I've been trying to really enforce that, you know, we obviously as a community need to self-police. We need to tell people to knock this stuff off. It's, and the, che the, it's the cheapest and most effective way. It is. Yeah. It really is. But one of the things that I brought up in the video that, that I said before and people got mad at me, but I just think it's the truth. As a parent, I say this, be a better parent to your kids because I guarantee you a lot of and look, there's a lot of adults that do this nonsense too, but there's also a lot of a lot of children that go online and they go unchecked and there's no accountability from them on the parent side. We need to sit down with our kids. We need to talk with them and explain that this behavior is not okay. Because if we're doing it at a parental level, as they grow into teens and adults, then they're gonna be good people mm -hmm. and they're not gonna yeah. do stuff like that. I look, my kids know. If I were to ever catch them doing something crazy like that online, there will be repercussions to that. But right. that is my job as a father and as a parent to make sure that they don't do things like that. So I do think it really all starts in the house, in the home, like I said, with our children, raising them the right way. Because think about it, you and I'm not sure how old you are, but you know, I remember a time before there was an internet when you went to go have fun, you, you went outside, right? You went outside and played with your friends and you actually had real human interaction. And we didn't have those problems back then, but we do now because kids are able to sit online and they have the, the veil of being anonymous and they can just do whatever they want. I think it's a veil of anonymous. I think yeah, it's because, it really because essentially, let's say your friend was acting, being a, being a jerk, you know, whatever, just saying things he shouldn't. You could look at your friend and be like, punch him in the nose. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. like, what are you doing, dude? This is my oh, point. You know, that, pop him. You know, it's like, like yeah. there was that, there was automatically that self, uh, that self connection, but also that, that ownership of it, because it's that, that an anonymity. I think you, you hit the, the nail on the head because like as a parent, like the, <laughs> I can't solve the problem of today, but I can try to help make a better tomorrow. And a lot of that is the investment with, with, with kids, and especially as they mature into this, world that's now you know driven by social media driven by all these things where we see anxiety and stress especially in and young girls just going through the roof uh do these natures and so it's like i'm sitting here just like trying to make sure i can understand it as well so i can infer to them to ideally help them become better you know human beings so that they can also then set an example i think i think it is that example that's why one of the reasons like i use my name my name's brian i don't hide behind uh, you know, yeah. some invisible yeah. wall. And I do that. And yeah, there is a risk, you know, somebody like if somebody actively wanted to try and be a, you know, like a, a dick <laughs> to come in and try to mess with my, my world. And, you know, hopefully that never comes down to it because like I try to actively, what I call kind of just love the hate that gets thrown my way. And I feel, and I, I don't want to sit here and I'm not trying to say that I'm on some kind of like pedestal or I'm some kind of like hero or I'm some kind of victim because I'm not like, I don't get it. I don't, I'm, I'm not a minority. I am not uh, like in any of these categories where people just get hated on. But like, I, you know, I'm just, I feel like it is a kind of a, a responsibility as a parent to try and help locally like engage with, with that. And one of the things that we've seen, it's not always successful. A lot of people, are welcome to their opinion about gingers, but <laughs> I do get a lot of ginger hate. It's it was always weird. I was like, all right, <laughs> but uh, people come in, and I feel like there's one part of it 
one part of the anonymity, one part of the anger is that I feel people constantly feel like they're shouting into a void. And yeah. what I have learned, and again, like maybe 20% successful, it, when I respond with the hello, that all of a sudden there is that there becomes an opportunity to have a relationship and to say like, yeah, that, that's kind of offensive the way you said that. And all of a sudden the conversation and then everything can kind of start to heal in a way. Um, I don't know if that's going to work for everybody because it's not everybody's job to sit here and, and, and get beat up online. But no, I, I like what you said about, uh, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of the effort comes with the kids. Now, as far as ISPs go, because the real thing you just, you brought up a thing about, yeah, I'm just going to go get on this burner account and I'm just going to keep continue to go and, uh, you know, and do this, but uh, an ISP kind of thing that would end up being, uh, allowing for some kind of real punishment. Imagine a kid, uh, a dad coming home from a long day at, at work. Maybe he's disengaged. I'm not going to judge any parent out there for how they, how they do or don't do with, you know, their parenting job in this way. But imagine coming home and finding out like you've been banned from the internet for like 14 days because your kid went and did, you know, they were harassing somebody online. That's like a real quick way that like, <laughs> wait a minute, why can't I watch Netflix? What did you do? Like, <laughs> like that, that would be something that I, you know, I, I don't know, hopefully would, uh, would not end poorly, but it would be just something where I, I, I do. It's a freaking complex issue and it sucks because like when it comes down to gaming, gaming is such a fun thing. It's when you have these communities, they're so positive. I've never felt more loved and more accepted and more connected with, with my fellow man than as an adult who, especially with kids, I don't go to the bar. Like I go online, I go play destiny. I go play final fantasy. I go like, that's, that's my social club, you know, uh, of, of the, of the modern world. Um, any, any, any other thoughts on the building healthy communities guys, check him out at, at his, at the PAX panel, uh, this weekend, if you're going to, to TwitchCon, not PAX panel, the Twitch panel, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, any other any any final thoughts on building healthy communities? I, I mean, it really just comes down to this, and I, I say this a lot on online. It, it's just like let's just be kind to each other. Just be kind. It it is so easy to do something nice for someone versus just being toxic and rude and trying to say the most hateful things to get a rise out of someone. Uh, it's just, I was never raised that way. So I never, I don't understand that mentality. But again, like, like we said at the top, I think a lot of that has to do with people being anonymous and not having any repercussions. And that's where this unfortunately needs to go with online gaming. There needs to be accountability for who you are when you're playing online mm -hmm. and when you do something and you're reported there's there's repercussions to that that's bottom line what has to happen i guarantee you once it does start to happen we'll see a lot of reduction in just this online harassment and racism and everything else that we see yeah all right well said well said um so first <laughs> let's we're going to shift back for a little bit of destiny 2 shadow keep uh to kind of round out the podcast because shadow keep drops next tuesday they've released kind of their launch trailer uh, it, they're start. This is essentially what's alluding to kind of a five, maybe a five-year plan. But if you guys read the the big three-part series from Luke Smith, when I read that, I got I, I read it as Destiny Three's on on its way. Um, Destiny Two versus Destiny Three. What are what are your thoughts? <laughs> See, it, I'm glad you brought that up with what Luke said um, during the Vidoc about a five-year plan because I took that as 
we're not getting a destiny three. See, I'm, I'm of this, this thought that do we really need a, 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 a numeral on the end of destiny moving forward? Cut it. They need to cut the numeral. I almost think even here with destiny two, and maybe that's where they go in 2020, just drop the two, whatever you're going to do to continue to advance the game. I mean, Hey, you just add to it with expansions. If the, even if the engine changes at some point, we, we upgrade the engine and you know, all that, but it's just destiny yeah. at this point. We're in this world and we're invested into this ongoing story. I mean, even going back to the FOMO thing, I mean, Luke has even addressed that directly about that's what they're building towards where there's going to be these events and these world altering things that happen that, oh, you had to be there when this happened, right? And that's what I love. That to me goes back to what the original vision of what this game was going to be when we first heard about it uh, in 2013. And I think now, and look, I don't know if it's because they're away from Activision, whatever the case may be, and look, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but now that Bungie actually controls Destiny and they can make the game that they want to make, I think this is where it's headed. So I don't think we're going to see a Destiny 3, in my personal opinion. I just think we're getting Destiny, and I think that's what the five-year plan is. I hope we never see Destiny 3. I hope, just like you, 100% that it just becomes Destiny. I like that they're launching Destiny New Light uh, kind of as the as an onboarding entry point, especially with the free to play model. That in and of itself, I think, is just genius. And uh, the only the only thing that was concerning when I was in here, and it was kind of my final concern about returning after I left, and it was that like, are they just going to reset everything in a year or two years, just like again, and then we have to start all over? And I was like, oh, God, that's not going to be fun. But how they're doing it and how they're trying to lay it out for me ultimately says like, okay, yeah. Like even if when the, the Xbox Scarlet PlayStation five, you know, cloud, what like PC, et cetera, is this new engine it's building off of really what worked and hopefully they can kind of toss out. It's going to be a, a great expense to them, but toss out all the things that Activision kind of made them do. Because one of the things that um, really like uh, you could kind of feel when after you beat destiny two like campaign was that, like, wait, like this was, this isn't destiny. Like this is some like consumer, like focus. Like, why did you leave destiny? Like the community was just like at odds and, and, and just really shocked by it. And so I think when we see now that we've seen six V six PVP come back and now with shadow keep widows court, other, other classic destiny one maps are coming back, which for me makes the most sense because those were balanced originally on six V six and uh, the changes they're already talking about PVP the uh <laughs> the evolving world the seasonal aspect what do you what's your thoughts on the season pass because i've seen mixed uh reception to that to the concept uh especially with season on then dying including exotics um i'm of i'm of two minds of it i get why they're doing it and and i like the path of having the season pass which allows them more flexibility from season to season if we, we start to see certain trends that they want to be able to steer us away from, or if they see certain things that they want to push us more towards, they're able to adjust that on the fly with the season pass. That I like. I don't like, and I understand why they're doing it, because they have the free to, free to play model and, and you want to reward people and to invest so then they wind up buying stuff on and on. But I don't like that there's exotics that you can acquire inside the season pass. That I don't like. I... I want my loot and especially the higher tier loot 
to be earned, to be something that I need to go through a multiple quest through, or I need to complete a certain objective. There needs to be something tied to it that I'm chasing versus just, all right, if I play the game long enough and I get enough XP, all right, I get this exotic. Because what if that turns out to be an exotic that is a top tier weapon, that mm -hmm. is a game changing weapon, you know, like in Raid or something like that, the, you just go get it. And it's not a thing of, I had to go through this complex quest to obtain it and I feel like I earned it, so to speak. So. I'm in favor. Like, I, I absolutely love the season model of mm -hmm. what they're doing. I understand the season pass to it. Look, they got to monetize this stuff. I get it. hundred percent get it. Yeah. If but, we don't, if I'm, we don't, if nobody pays eventually like, Oh, I love that game. What happened? Well, yeah, the company away. closed down and they all went to work somewhere else, but I wish it would be tweaked and they've fully admitted, um, you know, uh, at Gamescom, I got to sit down and interview them. We talked about this and you know, Hey, it's a, it's a wait and see thing. Let, let's see how it works. Yeah. And if the community is saying they don't like this, we have the flexibility now to adjust. So it really goes back on Bungie. If they're truly listened to the community, which all signs show that they are, obviously look look at everything they've done over the past you know year and a half. Um, it can be changed as as we move forward because they've not announced anything beyond this season and this season pass on what they're doing. So we can they can see they can adjust and we can move forward from there so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with the future do you feel bungie is is able to better listen now because that's one of the things that came up yeah with oh, the I, I i can tell you for a 1000 percent fact yes i know that for a fact they're definitely able to for sure what uh what, what do you think changed is it the uh it was is it the separation yeah that, that's what changed i just trust me that's what changed they're again their pr their marketing their community teams they're in control of what they're doing now versus basically having an overlord with the publisher activision well no we don't want to do this no we don't want to do that they're in control of it now so it's all on them right now that's what i've kind of said is that for anybody who's considering coming back a you can go uh preload destiny new light right now on steam and uh and you tweeted out your uh your friend code i i friended you and then i, I was like good idea i should tweet mine out because i don't have any steam friends because I, like i haven't really played much on that that platform but one of the things i think is just truly uh that, that i'm seeing is that it is their game to lose now in that regards because they've had the boogeyman which, uh, you know, in my mind is Activision. Uh, somebody tweeted out, like, which has to go, EA, Activision, whatever. I know a lot of people put a lot of hate on EA, and I think they've, they've plenty earned any kind of animosity from the gaming community. <laughs> but when I look at it, I think Activision's the one that I, that I just, like, when I, I love their IPs more at Activision, but I think that Activision seems to be probably more of the Emperor Palpatine kind of behind, like, behind the scenes, just like, they don't have to be fun, they just have to make money. Uh, sell uh, part of uh, Modern Warfare to the PlayStation universe. Like, it just feels like Activision is the one that continues to do things, and they just don't care. They do these things because they know people are going to buy them. What are your thoughts? EA versus Activision. We're just we're 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 just going off script here. <laughs> I I'll be I don't even want to say I want to be careful with my words. I I'm not one to just 100 percent pile on either one because while they've both done some ridiculous things along with the monetization, microtransactions, loot boxes, things like that, that I, I am definitely against, like we talked even earlier like with Modern Warfare, with, with exclusive deal, things like that, I do not like. They've also done a lot of great things in the industry as well. Uh, again, as an example, this building healthy community thing, that's an EA thing, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, trust me, I'm not talking to you right now. If it wasn't for EA and Activision, they helped me a lot in my early days. So there is definitely a give and take on that. I, I try to look at both sides of it yeah. when it comes to that. But yes, I, I 100% do think they they both earn the reputations that they have when it comes to the bad side of gaming because they've been leaders in that. Again, yeah. with the loot box stuff, things like that. I, I will give EA credit moving forward that they've identified that again look at jedi fallen order there's no microtransactions or loot boxes in that at all but then on the flip side let's see how that translates to sales as well because if they're not seeing the return on investment guess what they're going to go right back to what they were doing and that's where and that's where one of the things i've tried to have some conversations with my community and that's where like i know i'm always going to rock the boat because there there is an entrenched and ingrained and i don't fault anybody for looking at MTX and looking at loot boxes and just saying like they are wrong and we must resist them. Totally agree. But the question that I always follow up with is how, how do you combat that combat that? And if it's that Jedi Fallen Order, EA is like, okay, we're listening. Here's this game. And if it's a really good game and it's awesome and you know, people go and love it, that's going to help out a long run, but there'll still be people who are like, no, never again. And then all you're doing is reaffirming that the loot box system and the MTX system is what gamers want because you go look at Fortnite, $2 billion a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, like, wait a minute. Like, why don't we, like, we're a business. Why don't we want that product? Oh, gamers are telling us they want X and then we make X and they don't go and engage with it. Well, obviously they don't want X, right? Because <laughs> it's like, how do you listen to, a, you know, a billion people? And it's like, well, you look and you you follow the money uh, in that regards. Well, what's your hot take on, on loot boxes? Obviously, uh, like, you know, different countries are, are weighing in on gambling or not. Um, I, I'm curious as your thoughts because I think you just pretty much solved them by saying like if Fallen Order is good, just go by Fallen Order and that will send a clear message. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't like loot boxes. The specific, look, microtransactions I get. If if you're telling me to purchase a cosmetic and I know exactly what I'm getting when I give you my money, that's just a choice. Go do it, right? But a loot box is for all intents and purposes gambling. Another publisher it has that the same dopamine. It has the same yeah. bull crap. And as an adult, I can go run the slots, but I have to travel to go do that. It's in my home now with loot boxes. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. My, my thing, the other publisher that we didn't bring up into this is 2k mm-hmm. because look at what they're doing with the NBA 2k. I oh. mean, they're literally taking the loot box. It, th- that is a freaking casino. In, in NBA 2K20, and they're targeting at kids. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not down with that stuff. I don't like that. So I'm glad we're starting to see more governments get involved to regulate this stuff because it is it, it's a travesty. Like me personally, I like Destiny as an example. I've not bought anything from Eververse ever, and I never will. But that's my choice. Yeah. And I still can enjoy the game. See. The reality of it is, if you go back, Fortnite obviously is doing a great job of this right now and is having huge success. But you know who laid out the template for this years ago and has just been ha- having a successful run here the past few years? Warframe. Warframe, Warframe League of Legends, like they have yeah, the Battle Pass. They do it right. Yeah. No one's complaining about Warframe. And, and people obviously are buying stuff in Warframe all the time. Well, and so, you can opt in and opt out, right? You know, exactly. So it's like, yeah, or you're like, oh, maybe I really don't want that. Like it, it ends up providing back, even looping this back to Destiny, a better feedback mechanism to be able to kind of judge whether people are enjoying something or not. Because if I skip out on the next season, if they say, hey, we're doing it this season, and people are like, eh. Like I can opt out of that season now 
and then I can jump back in for the next one. It's providing us a better real-time feedback and also that it helps that with that financial incentive. It means that my opting out has a stronger a stronger impact than if it was just like, well, I still have to buy it later anyway if I want to get into the, you know, get into the newer content, etc. But my my whole my whole take, I think the way that loot boxes could be fixed, in my, I don't know, because like as much as I, you know, as much as I look at the government and say, that's going to take forever, <laughs> you know, for them to go in and try to have that right level of nuance. I go, it makes me upset at the ESA and the ESRB because I wish they would just say loot boxes. Great. If you can buy them for cash, AO rating or at least M rating where it's yeah. like these, uh, those mechanics are not for kids. The, and the problem is, is that you also have vulnerable adults. That's like, I can't solve all the problems <laughs> and nor am I trying to, but I think that if they were able to sit here and smack it with a uh, kind of like the, the brand, the kiss of death uh, AO rating, all of a sudden, then you would start to see that, but you're hundred percent right with 2k. Like it's just like in the commercial, somebody augmented the commercial because they show adults in the commercial and they put kids in, who who are the ones who are really going to be doing that there. Um, the other, the other aspect that, uh, I think that, and it'd be interesting, you know, as, as a parent yourself, cause it comes down to educating our kids. Like I'm trying to do as best as I can to create parent guides on how to make sure your credit card is not hooked up to these, these freaking slot machines, you know, cause that's essentially the other thing is that like that parent comes home and it's like, I've, I've already talked to 10 parents, like in the business world who've like had conversations like, you know, Oh, you spent $600 on Fortnite. Oh, you spent $800 on Fortnite. Like $2 billion isn't just materializing out of thin air. You know, they, there's a weird level of pressure. I don't know if you're aware how, like, are your kids in school yet? Yeah, yeah okay. there's a weird level of pressure and my kids are like Maddie's not getting it. She's just in kindergarten. But for my other like parent friends, like, yeah, their kids are being bullied because they're using the default skin being called being called in Fortnite a default because they haven't bought the skin. And so the FOMO aspect is is leading into the kids being just stupid kids and bullying each other on, I guess, the fact that their parents can afford because <laughs> I, I don't know any kid with money. Um, so that's always kind of the thing that makes me laugh. Like, oh, you, you own that as my, as my, uh, as my, my daughter will say like, oh yeah, this is mine. I was like, I'm sorry. Like you own what? Like, this is not your house. This is my house. I let you live here <laughs> legally until you're 18. No, I'm just kidding. She can stay here uh, <laughs> for as long as she needs the, um, yeah, it's such a, it's such a complex issue. It's such a complex issue. And that's where I think, um, I mean, you said it right. And then we can, we're going to jump into our final thoughts here. Um, but you said it right when it comes to engaging in the systems that make sense, because that sends the loudest message. Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> no, percent. So, uh, Paris, what are your uh, kind of final thoughts? We, we covered a ton of things in this show. So when we have a kind of our segment for final thoughts, hopes and, and concerns, uh, of anything that we talked about, as well as anything that you're working on and where can people find you? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to do this. I, I really enjoyed the talk that we had. Um, just, just my final thoughts. I mean, we're, we're in a very interesting and exciting time for gaming. Like we didn't even talk about like the last of us two is going to come out in February. That's going to obviously be a big event. I didn't even get into cyberpunk that cyberpunk 2077 is probably my biggest obsession right now out of, out of anything. So I'm really looking forward to that in early 2020. I'll be, I'll be investing hundreds of hours into that. Obviously, just the Destiny train is just going to continue to roll, so I'll continue to be playing that. Um, I would just say on a personal, like I kind of said at the top, I got my like my fledgling uh, YouTube channel, so I'm continuing to uh, build and create content 
to put up there. And like I said, just talk about everything under the sun with, with gaming. Um, where you can find me, you can find me on Twitter. It's pretty simple. It's uh, at Vicious696. I'm on there rambling about something all the time. Um, our podcast is Gamertag Radio. You can find that basically everywhere. Your favorite RSS feed catcher, we're there. Um, you know, like I said, we're also on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Gamertag Radio. We record the podcast live on there if you want to tune in to a live showing every Sunday and Wednesday. And uh, then again, like I said, my YouTube channel. So that's, that's where I am online. Guys, all this, all his contact information also is in the link in the descriptions of this video when it goes up on YouTube on Monday. So go check him out. Give him a follow. Check out Gamertag Radio. Uh, and then uh, let us know what you guys think in the comments below as well as give us a rating if you guys missed our last show we had as from heels versus babyface on talking about wow classic uh, it's such an interesting thing to see kind of how that plays out and next week we have dm21 gaming coming on to talk to us about mixer uh, and, and more so we've got a lot of fun shows that uh, chris uh, again is this week is in scotland so hopefully he's having a fantastic uh, vacation and i see there were some questions in chat so if uh, you have a few minutes we can hang out and answer some questions but if not i understand but for work to game my name is brian that's paris <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you next time